This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with a big kid and a little kid. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a baby. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, are you trying hard enough yet? Plus, Biz wonders who those people are. Teresa has been shocked. And we speak to author Ruman Alam about his new novel, That Kind of Mother. Woo! Hello, Teresa. Hi, Biz. How are you? I'm still standing after three days solo parenting. Jesse's in Chicago for mm-hmm. Judge John Hodgman tour. Great. Great for him. <laughs> I hope he's you're having, having a, fun. Yeah, he's having a great time. <laughs> While you're left home loving your children. <laughs> oh, loving? Is that what I've been doing? <laughs> no, isn't that what they think? You know, it's like, oh, look at all the time, maternal instincts, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted it to yeah, be great. I know. And it was it's been, I'm saying it in the past tense because he comes home tonight, but I still have today, technically, yes. although I have some child care in place today. <laughs> the hardest part, like we're over the hump. The hardest part was over. But what I really want to talk about was over the weekend, yesterday afternoon, Gracie had a play date at a friend's house. Very sweet little boy who's in her class who we haven't had a play date with him before. They sort of became friends like recently towards the end of the school year. And they've been like begging us parents to like set up a play date for the longest time. So we like finally got it together. And Gracie was going to go to their house. So I, I went over there to get her settled, to get her set up. And I I mentioned to the mom, you know, because it's also, it's like Jesse's gone, but it's also the end of the school year. So things are different. And Mm -hmm. like when things are different, Gracie tends to act out a little more. Okay. And so I mentioned to the mom, you know, her dad's out of town and, you know, she really feels that. And if there's any like behavioral anything, just text me or call me I'll come get her it's not a big deal like yeah. don't don't wonder if you should just right. like, feel free to do that I won't <laughs> think anything of it yeah and as I'm saying this to her she she gets kind of the big eyes oh. like she can't believe I'm even suggesting that my child would like do something that would require <laughs> warrant a call, a call. <laughs> yeah and she said oh and, <laughs> and I'm kind of I was kind of like what 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 you know? I just yeah. kind of sat there waiting for what, and she said, "Well, I'm sure you know. I haven't been shocked by anything yet. <laughs> like, and I think she meant like because she has two kids. Yeah. Like, I think she just she meant, can't like, imagine, she can what, imagine you could, what my kid would what do could that. happen. And so this is okay. Great, that's <laughs> good. great. Good answer. That was really kind nice. Of a good answer. Yeah. So, but it does make my wheels start turning. Okay, <laughs> because like, sure, my initial reaction is like, well, you just you don't, don't have what I have going on. Like, you just don't. You don't know. Yeah. Or like, well, just invite Gracie over a few more times, and we'll, we'll see what we can do about that. But no, no, I think it. What it also made me think was. Well, like, I'm shocked by stuff my kids do, like, pretty much every day. There's something that shocks me. Yeah. Shocks me. Right. Every day, pretty much. There's, a, for example, just last night, yeah. I was going to use the restroom before I went to sleep, and I sat down, and, like, the toilet seat was like, oh, the toilet seat's wet. Yeah. And I realized, oh, no, the toilet seat's not wet. Somebody used my toothpaste and squirted it all over my toilet seat, like used up my entire toothpaste, (laughs) squirting it all over my toilet seat. (laughs) Like, like, that's... (laughs) God, Teresa! That is shocking. Yeah, and I mean it's baking soda toothpaste. It's white. I don't have my glasses yeah. on at bedtime. Sure, I had and you no would idea not that was think. there. I would never. You think. wouldn't think. Although to look. Now, now, now you've I'll learned your lesson every time. <laughs> You're getting really good at this now. So like that. I mean I, that counts as a shock. Sure. I feel like that is right? a shock. That's a shock. That's a shock. Okay, because part of me is like, well, maybe I'm just in the wrong frame of mind about all this. Like, right. Why do I keep getting shocked? Like, isn't that like the definition <laughs> of insanity? Like, should yeah. I be? expecting this now yeah because like maybe the definition of insanity yes, like maybe... i should expect <laughs> toothpaste all over my toilet seat yeah but like that maybe this other mom is just doing such a good job oh, yeah like no. she's just like yeah. yeah i'm not gonna be shocked by like kids acting out yeah. they're, they're being kids right yeah so that's that's she an is. open question by the way she that's, is right 
question whether yeah. I have some more work to do in this area. <laughs> oh, man. Does that tie in nicely to our topic later today? Yeah. Uh, well, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. How are you, Biz? I'm, I'm all right. Uh-huh. Summer has started. Mm-hmm. Katie Bell is in the other room. Yep. She will be weekly for the next three months. No summer camps. But I, I just had this like moment this weekend where my sister sent me a picture she had found of the folks mm-hmm. from a very long time ago. And it looks like they're waiting on a parade. I have no idea what they're waiting on. They're outside like on a curb, mm-hmm. you know. And Helen Michelle is, sit- you know, she's very young. She's got to be like maybe four, mm-hmm. three or four. She's sitting on the curb. Mama is standing there looking sort of in this opposite, like across mm. the the view of the picture, mm-hmm. sort of profile. She's holding me. Oh. And... Papa is kind of staring out at whoever's taking this picture. They're like super 70s out. Oh, They're just like very yeah. young family. And I really had this moment of like, God, I wish I knew I those people. Yes. I mean, I it's know. not like my parents aren't, you know, on some level the same people. But I mean, you know, you and I can say how not the same people we were five years ago, yeah. right, on some level. Yeah. There's, like, that moment, these yes, two that moment. Yeah. kids, and, like, out there, Yeah, I want to know, like, I want to know those two know. people. What did it take to get there that day? Yeah, And what, yeah. how are they feeling about it exactly. in that moment? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I want to know that yeah, moment, yeah. and I'll never know that moment, yeah. and that just sucks, yeah. but also, it was really nice to see that moment. Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, yeah, that's just, <laughs> just like, man. Isn't it funny yeah. how we just, everybody just moves along? It's, yep. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's right. that's kind of what I was thinking about. Yeah. Thought I'd share that. But I really think, to go back to say what I said just a second ago, mm-hmm. that what you were going through this weekend really ties in nicely to what we're talking about today. And let me just ask you directly, Teresa, <laughs> are you trying hard enough yet? <laughs> Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. Are we trying hard enough yet? I... (laughs) going to crack me up this entire show. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to start by what this makes me think of and just sort of set this up knowing that that often you think of this a different way and I'm looking for, or maybe the same, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I'm going to set this up Mm -hmm. for what I'm thinking. So are you trying hard enough? So, okay. When you see someone and they're having a struggle with their kids or they're talking about their kids or dealing with X or Y or you just see a kid out in the wild like behaving a certain way mm-hmm. that is shocking to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, We often find ourselves doing that thing where we think, hmm, I wonder if they have thought of everything yet right. or if they've tried this. Or or even worse, there's the moment I've done this where I'm like, <laughs> where I'm like oh, they've just gotten stuck in a rut yeah. and they can't. They can't yeah. let go of what they're doing to yeah. try something new. Yeah, or they're they're not seeing the they're problem anymore. They're not seeing anymore. the problem they're, anymore, right? Yeah. Or better yet, <laughs> when you're talking about it yeah. to somebody else and they say to you, "Have you tried X or Y?" Uh-huh. and it makes you feel like, "Yeah, not only have I tried yeah. X or Y, I've yeah. tried the whole fucking alphabet." Yeah, and. That makes me feel like my X's and my Y's are completely invisible. Yeah. Right? Like all this effort's invisible. Yeah. And you don't think I would have tried that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. It makes you feel like you have to then sit there and explain to everybody what you've done. I know. Not that they were necessarily asking that question. Right. And the question, when they ask you, have you tried this? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and put out there, probably isn't as loaded. Nope. As we think it is. Probably just trying to be helpful. Trying to just be helpful. Yeah. But- in my mind, yeah. it becomes, are you not trying hard enough? Right. <laughs> right. So a big one about this is like food, like mm-hmm. eating, feeding your yeah. kids, picky yeah. eaters yep. or whatever. That's a classic like, yep. well, you just haven't tried. Have you yep. tried doing this? Yeah. Have you tried the appetizer tray? Right. Have you tried the first plate? Have yeah. you tr- Like whatever. Yeah. This is what's working for us. 
have you tried it? And I think about all the things I've yeah. tried with Ellis. Yeah. And it does make you go, I'm really trying yeah. hard. Do you think I'm not trying yeah, hard? Totally. Yeah. It makes you really defensive. It, yes. Like, not you personally, but anyone. Oh, no, it makes me very defensive. It makes me, <laughs> it makes me also defensive. Like, I feel, it, it doesn't make me feel defensive like, oh, you don't think I'm doing this stuff as much. Right. But it does make me suddenly feel I need to, like, really prove to the person yes. all the ways I'm trying for some reason. Yeah. Like, why? I don't yeah. know. Who cares? Yeah. Like, maybe, like, so what if I wasn't? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> I know. It's my family. Yeah. And I'll sit in this problem as long as exactly. I damn well please. Yeah. But yeah. it does make me feel like I need to, like, do a really good job of being like, oh, yeah, you know, we tried that. And the reason this doesn't work is because of this. And the reason that doesn't work is because of that. And we also yeah. tried this, but this wouldn't work because of it. I mean, it's just, it's so. It's so much like sort of apologizing yes. and explaining. Yeah. When I don't think anybody really cares. Yes. I don't want to dismiss that. I don't think that's true. I've gotten into conversations with friends where we've gotten into that situation where we've Uh talked about, hey, you know, have you tried this or whatever? And they ask me and I do my, yes, I've tried a million things and this is why it doesn't work. Sometimes that discussion will lead to something helpful. Sure. I, I, you know, it, it. We're gonna we're kind of talking about how defensive it can make us feel, but it doesn't mean that something beneficial might not come out of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I may not have thought about something. Yeah. Right? But that's not what we're gonna talk about. That's no, no fun. It's more right. fun to talk about <laughs> the feeling of not having tried hard enough. Yeah. Like I well, yeah. No, I just I still I'm noticing like in thinking about this topic mm-hmm. and even just already talking about it today, what I'm realizing is I'm still, despite how long I've been parenting yeah. and how long we've been doing this show, I am still trying to prove myself all the time yes. to other people and other parents. I don't know why. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It it only matters that I prove myself to myself and my own family. Yeah. Like I want to prove myself to myself and my own family. <laughs> but like but like I'm constantly still trying to show other people how good of a parent I am and how hard I'm working at it. And like hard I'm working. How hard I'm working. I don't know why. I I realized recently that because we're sending Oscar to a different school next year and it's gonna be more driving for me. And I've noticed recently that I've been telling so many people about this and I keep saying over and over to everyone how great it's going to be, how excited I am for him to go to this school, but it's going to be a ton more driving, and I'm really not looking forward to that, and it's going to be really hard, and a different choice would have been way easier, but this school is going to be so great that it's totally, I hope, going to be worth it. I've said that. I've gone through that little thing so many times with so many, and part of it is just like having a thing to talk about sometimes. Do you know what I mean? And like, oh, a story. Like, it's sort of like having like a thing to say. Yeah. But I'm so I the I just did it over the weekend and I got I did it for the last time. I yeah. got so tired yep. of hearing myself repeat this mantra that I know deep down like is true. Right. I believe all of those things that I just said, but the reason I'm telling everyone yes. about it is cuz I want everyone to see how hard, hard I'm working is. and what a great parent I am. Oh like, my god. Yes, I just had this conversation. Somebody replied to last week's show where I had said the nice thing about Ellis yeah. and how I felt bad about always kind of t- I felt like I always led when people are asking how it's going. Yeah. You know, oh, it's really hard. Ellis is a lot. Yeah. Right? And I never talk about the good things. And she said, oh, I, I, that happens to me too. And I said, I think I do it because if I just say that things are okay or that he's really sweet or nice, yeah. no one's going to see all the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, true. I yeah. think this time, like, yeah. we lead, I think, with the difficulties. Yeah. Sometimes mixed with the, like, it's going to be so great. Yeah. But this is really hard. Yeah. Because it, this goes back to that thing we we talked about at the end of last week's show, the feeling invisible. Yeah. The, like, you know, when somebody asks, asks if you have tried something, and you have, mm-hmm. I think part of why we get defensive is because... Our actions are invisible. Yeah. They are supposed to be invisible. No one's supposed to be in your house watching what you do. Well, in our culture. Okay. Yes. In our culture. (laughs) Yeah. So they are kind of invisible, but but we don't like how that feels. Right. Right? And it, it feels like there's no validation 
for all the work. Yeah. And work doesn't have to mean it's hard and awful. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. And when people aren't recognizing that or you feel like you're not being mm-hmm. recognized for it, yeah. that brings on the are you trying hard enough question in your brain. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. The whole Because I think we even do it. You were talking about proving yourself. And I think about just how like instinctually the moment a kid comes into your life and you're mm-hmm. going out into the world with this new kid, I think about like uh, make sure everybody sees that I have all the diapers and all the diapers. Yeah. I make sure everybody sees that I am doing X, Y, yeah. and Z. I, I think about like my kids hated fucking shoes and socks. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't just go out with my kids without having to say, oh, we use a blanket. Oh, they're Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> they're Swedish. They yeah. like, they have, it's, I'm sure it's in their blood, yeah. which is completely not true. Yeah. But like, yeah, that like I would have to go out and before anybody would even ask, I would assume. That they're thinking, thinking. something and you want to jump the gun yes. and explain. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I don't oh, think... oh, we don't use a hat because see this yeah. thing folds over and then we don't need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't Yeah. What is that about? I don't know. I think it's just do you think it's like, you know, you're usually good at coming around and saying, Hey, like evolutionary, like on some evolutional scale. Mm-hmm. We do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because, so I wonder like for if. for survival. Yeah, for yeah. survival. I wonder if there is some sort of, like, instinct in us mm-hmm. to prove mm-hmm. to the community. Yeah. That we are doing a good. I think it's, yes. Do you I, think so? I do think it's partly that. I think it's also, like, um, yeah, because we're essentially like a social mm-hmm. society and we do need others. Like even though yeah. we don't typically have other families in our houses all the time, we do need like our friendships and we need to have a community around us. And so we need to demonstrate like we but we probably have a biological need to demonstrate that we have value as yeah. like a member of the community. Yes, we need so, validation. Like, yeah. And so, we, but also that we want to show like, yeah. you want to be in a community with me because I have it all together. <laughs> like, I'm right. not going to like be a drain on the community. Yeah. I, I can take care of my family. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like no, a little bit that. like, and, and it's also like with helping like our kids make friends, you know, it's, it's kind of like you want to make a good impression on the other families yeah. because you want them to like want your kid to come over. Oh god, to... I let go of that. You know, no, but no, like, I mean not that, but I mean but like essentially somebody else's parents can be whatever they want. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. yeah. It's just that there's that there is like a no little bit pressure. of a drive to yeah. like it, it, not that we all need to be the same, but just that like we need to like be functional. We yeah. need to like, show that we're functional or something. Yeah. No, and I think it also sort of plays into the whole you know, self-judging, judging trigger. Yes, totally. You know, if you see somebody doing that, you need to prove you're equally doing something as valuable or valid for yes, your child, even yes. if it's different. Oh, what a Ugh. fucking nightmare. I don't it's know exhausting. why. I, I really don't, know. don't like it. I, I don't like it either. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know. I know that I've been trying to be really conscious of it. And I, I want to use an example of wording uh-huh. and how much I overthought something mm-hmm. with you. Okay. So... A couple of shows ago, you were talking about the sleep issues in your house with uh-huh. the kids and, you know, like yeah. the, everybody's in a room. Yeah. And I chewed on that forever because I didn't want to come to you and be like, have you tried? Yeah. Have you thought? Because I knew, I know you have. I know yeah. you thought. So I was like, but how do I bring it up yeah. without going, have you tried? Uh-huh. And I instead said, I've been thinking about this. Uh-huh. May I offer you a thought that I had on it that yeah. you very well may have already had? Yeah. And you could have said no, yeah. and I would have been fine with that. <laughs> yeah. But you said yes. And so I was able to do it yeah. in what I hoped yeah. was not a way that was like, have you thought about it yet? But yeah. I think that might be a way for us to re... It's sort of like how we say... I'm not looking for advice. I just want to rant, right? Mm -hmm. I just need to, like, let this out. Um, Or I just need to hear you're doing a good job no matter what. Maybe a way to get around this. Because I I really do think people aren't intentionally trying to make people feel like they're not trying hard enough when they offer help. Yeah. But how do we say it without it being, like, 
with avoiding yeah. that situation. Well, actually, I think what you did was a lot more than what you're describing. That and and you did other things that were actually even more effective at like making this a helpful like exchange, which was that this was something that we had been talking about together yeah. over an extended period of time. So I felt number one that you actually kind of knew a lot about the yeah, situation. That's I true. didn't feel like I just said one thing. We weren't and at you a coffee in. party. Yeah, yeah. like. You actually kind of really know, like, you've been to my house, you yeah. know each of my kids, you like, you know what I mean? Like, all these things. You've heard me talk about this a lot. And by the time you came around to offering that suggestion in that very, like, tactful way that you did, I had also had enough time mm. to kind of complain about it and just vent <laughs> without hearing suggestions yeah. given to me that, like, I felt really validated and heard mm. at that point. So, like... It was, I think it's, I think one of the like most important things is that when we're complaining about something that's hard or when we're dealing with an issue, like with a friend, I think, and I, I'm guilty of this too. The, the hardest thing is when like just immediately upon hearing the problem, yeah. the, the friend immediately tries to fix it Yeah, because, and which is a natural response, right? but it takes the it takes away the like benefits of just having that moment where we can just feel heard and yeah. validated in that moment. Cause yes. like sometimes that's just really what we need. And then offering solutions is sort of like a separate exchange. It is. It's sort of like a separate. And so that's why I think what you did worked so well because it was like, it was like a different time that we were talking and like, yes, totally do you know what I mean? Like, but I think like, that's key. I think that's important because A, I'm really great. But <laughs> no, but I, I have been as a result of listening to calls and us doing yeah. this show forever. One of the things that I've been trying to like really apply over the years is the just listen, don't respond. Yeah. And I, you know, I know you do that. We've all been really working hard on that. And I think it really it really, you're right. I think it allows that space. And I think the benefit of sometimes just ranting and listening, mm -hmm. I know that when I rant or purge or complain about something, usually about a day or two later, I'm able to think about it in a totally different way. Totally. On my own. Yeah. Like a big girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's a multi-step process. Yeah. Listening, letting somebody vent it out, not offering anything except that sucks. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then at a later date, coming back, if you feel that's even necessary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I just think it's it's a hard one because it goes against our nature to help. Mm -hmm. It plays into our nature to self-criticize. Yep. <laughs> and as parents, you know... It's, like, amplified. Yes. Ah, great. Great. <laughs> One Bad Mother is supported in part by StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts. Here's how it works. One, purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. Two, they simply reply to this email with their story or can record it over the phone. Three, after a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. It is a great gift for Father's Day, even at the last minute, and I have given this both to my mother and father, and it is an amazing opportunity to get the family stories recorded in one place. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash badmother when you subscribe. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. 
Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. So I was solo with the three kids over the weekend, and um, both weekend mornings, by the time we had it together to like go somewhere or do anything, it was like kind of time for the baby's morning nap. Yeah. So on two naps a day. And so I chose to keep him on his schedule and put him down for his nap. And I remembered, and guys, they're not a sponsor or anything, but Go Noodle is this mm, yeah. really great website where they have free, like, indoor recess um like mega mixes yeah and they do basically like songs and dance that your kids can watch and like move along to them yep and we learned about it because they use it for indoor recess at the elementary school on rainy days and so my kids both really love it and I was so happy that I remembered it because we used it both mornings and it was like that time where the baby could nap I could take a shower and like my kids could do something physical yeah. that kind of like got that rather than just like having them watch TV, which would yeah. totally make them just act out after sure. that. This kind of gets them up and moving. And it totally saved me both days and was super helpful. Very good job. Yeah, thanks. Very nice. So I guess it was the last day of school. Plus, I had Ellis uh, not in his school. Uh, it had been a long day. Mm-hmm. And... I still had a good two hours before dinner and TV or whatever. And Ellis, like, wanders into the room with his Nerf blaster, mm-hmm. which <laughs> which he has previously not been able to, like, load and do mm-hmm. all the stuff he needs to do with his blaster. Mm-hmm. And so he wanders in, and he's clearly got it, and he's, like, pointing it in all different directions. And, of course, I always use this as an opportunity to talk gun safety in general, even right. if it's a blaster. Yeah. But I was like... Oh, do you just want me to set some, like, targets up for you? Now, I have fantasies of children and Nerf targets, Mm -hmm. okay? I love a good target game. The kids have never wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. But Ellis was like, yes. And so at the end of, like, we between the washing machine and the one of the counters Mm -hmm. and our back door is, like, a small alley. Mm -hmm. That sounds really long. But, like, it's a very small alcove. And I put the kitchen stool there. I put three tin cans on it. Uh Uh-huh. And he was so good. For an hour. Oh, my God. He just, like, you know, blasted his little Nerf thing, you know, knocked a can off, was was rebuilding different setups, and he just got it. So And good. he did it for, like, an hour. That's awesome. It was, it really was fun. And I was, like, able to be in the kitchen with him. It was, yeah. like, one of those things where we had multiple activities happening. It's great. Thank you. Hi there, this is a genius. Um, I was at Target this morning, and before I went into the store, I thought about getting one of these mops with the washable thing that you could just push around real quick. My floors are always disgusting, and I feel bad that I don't get down on my hands and knees and clean them. And I just decided I needed something easy. And I love those moments where you just say, you know, I'm not going to be frustrated about it anymore, and I'm just going to get myself the solution. Best $16 I ever spent. And my house looks beautiful. That's all, guys. Thanks. Yay. Yay. I love these geniuses. Mm -hmm. I don't know whose voice it is in our head that's telling us we shouldn't have the thing that could actually make things a little easier. But But I've gone so long without it. I know. (laughs) I should totally not do this thing that could make life easier. That is not like, I don't know building a whole new house or something. It's just a small <laughs> act that would make yeah. life easier. Yes. Uh, good job. Good job. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. Fail me, Teresa. So with this play date for Gracie yesterday afternoon, I I just did everything like logistically to make it as hard as possible on myself. So like... <laughs> I was really, I have not been getting enough sleep, like, Mm. over an extended period of time. And I'm particularly foggy, especially after spending, like, a whole morning with the kids by myself. And we had, like, gone to gymnastics and done all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And so we go, we go to take her over to this friend's house. And, like, we haven't been there before, so I want to go in and, like, make sure she's, like, comfortable and, like, knows where the bathroom is and, like, whatever. And so I have Oscar and Curtis with me. And so I bring them in. 
And basically, right away, Oscar, like, sees their toys and immediately wants to play with their toys. Yeah. And so my plan was, like, to take them to the park and then come back and get Gracie and go home. But Oscar was so into the toys and he hadn't napped. And he was like, it would have been, I I could have carried him to the car, but I would have had to do it one kid at a time. Yeah. Like, awkwardly, I don't know the people well enough. You know what I mean? Like You've just given them this warning and now you're taking it. I mean, it was just, you (laughs) know, and they're like super, they were so nice. They were so calm. They're like, he can stay, like, you guys can stay here. Like, here's a cold drink. Like, hang out, you know? And I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, like, I, I mean, I was, it was nice but that was I, I was planning to take them to the park so we're there for a while and we're talking and they're hosting and being very sweet and then like Curtis is playing too and then it's just going and going and then Oscar starts getting more tired and bored and I'm like it's really time for him to go and what I should have said was it's time for us all to go and go home because it's going to be dinner soon and we right. should just all go home but instead, I felt this, like, weird pressure to, like, leave Gracie there longer because I had told her in advance that I was going to leave yeah. and come back. Yeah. And, like, I we had been there for over an hour at that point. So, like, I probably could have just been, like, made excuses and been like, I really just need yeah. to get there. I was so tired. Yeah. And so instead, I was like, okay, we're going to go to the park and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And, like, in my head, I'm thinking, am I really going to take them to the park now yeah. at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon when Oscar hasn't napped and it's, like, 100 degrees outside? Yeah. And, like, Curtis is tired now, too, and yeah. I don't have food for him. But I'm, like, I just felt like I, we had to go. Like, I felt like we had to get out of there. Oh. Yeah. So we get in the car and we leave and Oscar immediately is having a meltdown because he doesn't want to go to the park anymore. Yeah. And he's asking if we can go home and watch a movie. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, should we just like do the Starbucks drive through and go yeah. back and get her? But then I really had to pee. Oh, my God. And so sad. I just drove home. And went inside and peed and, like, brought the kids inside for a few minutes. But, like, by the time we kind of, like, got settled at home, it was, like, 5 o'clock. Time to go get Grace. And I was like, I can't really leave her there much later. Like, my kids need to eat dinner. We have school tomorrow. Like, I have to do stuff. So I had to get everyone back in the car. And I was just like, why did I do this? Like, why did I do all of these choices that I made (laughs) through the course of, like, this (laughs) three-hour afternoon were not the best choice yeah. for me like none no, of them yeah. were the choice with me in mind and oh. so like it ended up being you know we did it I sure. got, we went back we got her it was a whole thing you know to get her to, you know she didn't want to leave and blah 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 and we whatever the day is over but it was such <laughs> such a fail like multiple teeny tiny decision making yeah. fails that led to just like a sweaty tired like exhausted oh, like afternoon I am so sorry yeah thanks you did a horrible job thanks this is um, it's kind of like a fail cuz i've allowed it to happen okay. and it's disrupting my sleep i'll support you in it being Thank a you. fail it's disrupting my sleep uh-huh. which is always a fail yeah Onion, the one-eyed cat, in his older age, has taken to needing to be very close to me. Mm-hmm. And that means at night when I get into bed, he needs to, like, get up like around my neck and head as if it was one of those, like, fur yeah. hats where your face pokes out. Yes. And he's got, like, all these <laughs> long legs. And sometimes there's, like, kneading in my hair oh my and, like, God. nose in my ear. Now, and part of me's like... This is very sweet, and I love this cozy, sweet cat. But then there's other times where it's so aggressive, yeah, and I'm just like, it's too much. I, and I'm like, I'm like literally holding him like half asleep, like in front of me on my chest, like while I'm lying down, and he's just like pushing, just like trying to get back where he wants to get. I know, just to like, so I, it's basically the fail is you should never have let the cat. Love you that much. No. Nope. <laughs> Want to sleep with you. It's your fault for letting the cat sleep on you. Yep. Ugh. God damn it. Hi, my name's Andrea, and I'm leaving the sale. Um, I needed to get gas, so I decided my car was pretty dirty, too. I could go ahead and get a car wash with my son in the car. And it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. I just upgraded to a streaming music service that I can play on my phone. So I keyed up uh, Car Wash by Rolls Royce and got the premium one so we could get all the cool, like, multicolored, like, whatever and shit, you know, the, the like, rainbow unicorn colors. And we start going through it, and he looks a little nervous at first, and then he just starts screaming. And so now I've got 
car wash playing. I was trying to make it all fun. I thought he was into it at first, and it was just a disaster. And then when we went uh, out of the car wash to where we were going for the day, uh, we got stuck behind one of those um, tractor trailer things that hold all the dirt, and it just got my car all dirty again. And so it just it wasn't worth it. Like even the gas price, like it wasn't worth the little like two cent discount on gas for the car wash that made my son very upset. Mm. Anyway, I'm sorry. You guys are doing a great job, and hopefully next time won't be such a fail. Bye. I, yeah. I just have to burst in, too. At the car wash. Working at the car wash. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. So I can see this whole thing. Look, yeah. the music starts. Yeah. And they slowly drive in. Yeah. All chaos breaks out. Yeah. And you can't go anywhere. No. You and you're can't trapped there with car wash yeah, blasting. You can't reverse out you of there. Rever- yeah. <laughs> you can't reverse out of there. And you just have to like listen to the car wash. I just, I am so sorry. I'm sorry too. That is horrible. I really liked how at the end of this, she said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It made me think we should always apologize when we're reporting our fails. Oh, like, no. Kind of like we're apologizing to each other yeah. on behalf of all parents. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I repent. <laughs> I should not have done that. I know. It has been one week since my last yeah. confession. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you're doing horrible. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Care.com the easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family when and where you need it. You guys, Biz and I both have premium memberships. What's amazing about Care.com is you can find people to help you with all kinds of things, not just babysitting. So, for example, if things are all crazy in your house and you don't have time to do the housework, you can use Care.com to hire a housekeeper so you can deal with all the other stuff that needs your attention. To save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, Visit care.com slash mother when you subscribe. That's care.com slash mother for 30% off a premium membership. Teresa, let's call someone today. Hey, this this week we are welcoming Ruman Alam, who is the author of the incredible novel Rich and Pretty. His writing has appeared in the New York Times, Elle, New York Magazine, the Los Angeles Review of Books, the Wall Street Journal, the Rumpus, BuzzFeed, and elsewhere. He has recently become special projects editor at the New York Times Book Review and lives in Brooklyn. And his newest novel is the much-anticipated That Kind of Mother. Welcome, Ruman. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get into the book, I would like to ask you what we ask all our guests, which is who lives in your house? We have four people living in my house. There is me, my husband, David, and we have two sons, an eight-year-old named Simon and a five-year-old named Xavier. Those are the only people living in our house. No in-laws, no pets. <laughs> Keep it simple. A, one, a one-on-one ratio between adult and child, I think, is the key to family balance. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. And let's all point at Teresa yeah. and her three kids and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Somebody said to me the other day, like, oh, you made your pictures make me want a third. And I said, don't do it. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not as I mean, fun. I, I, will, I will confess that I'm like completely, I'm one of those like really baby crazy people. And whenever I see a baby, I'm always like, you have to let me hold your baby, even if it's a stranger. And um, so, I'm like very charmed by it's Instagram that's deadly because I see people's baby pictures on Instagram and I'm always showing them to my husband and he's he is like so stoic comparatively (laughs) and he's like no get that baby away from me like don't don't even try it you know (laughs) I know every time my husband's like look at how sweet that baby is I'm like "Uh uh-uh never (laughs) happening again not sweet we are done this is all done here. Well, let's get into the book. So the book follows uh, the character Rebecca as she and her husband, who are both white and parents to a biological son, 
come to adopt a black baby. And I am going to steal one of the blurbs for this book that, that says, that kind of mother dives deep into the big questions about parenthood, adoption, and race. Is motherhood learned or are you born to it? And I guess I want to start with, did you know what you were setting out to write here? Were you going into it with the intent to tackle these questions? Well, let's not overestimate my skill. Um, I think I think I'm always sort of mystified when I hear people talk about their process, and they talk about having um, a really complex plan in mm. place. I'm not that kind of writer. I tend to things kind of snowball and accrete, and then before I know it, I have this pile of references and scenarios and themes, and they either hold together or they don't, mm. and so that's kind of how I wrote the book. I wrote the book knowing that I wanted to write about a poet. Wow. Which I can't explain I can't explain why, but that was sort of the genesis of the book was that yeah. I to write about a poet. And and that it is a book about a poet, but it's really but it's also, you know, that is sort of overshadowed by the political yeah. themes of the book. And I knew I wanted to write about race, but I knew I wanted to do it in a sort of backhanded way. Do you remember a few years ago, Jessica Seinfeld published a cookbook about cooking for your kids and how to put, like, you make brownies and you put pureed spinach in them. And yes, it's yes, sort of, um, yes. We all you know, remember, yes. I, you all remember that book. Yes. So I, I thought of this book as a similar strategy where <laughs> it's a book about race that is in disguise as a book that's about um, something else altogether, yeah. you know? Well, I really like that you're like, oh, I started to write about a poet. I'm like, yeah, she's a poet, but there's so much more happening. Right. I love that that was the, I know. Well, before we get more into the characters, I actually want to talk about, and I think it would help to talk about the setting of the book, because, you know, it's set in D.C. in the 80s. I am a child of the 80s, and that feels like yesterday, but it is like a million miles away from now and how we talk about race and adoption and there was no social media. Talk to us about why you chose that setting to... Sure. Yeah. It's Well, I mean, I'm cheating, right? I'm cheating because we know you and I and anybody picking up this book who's over the age of 20 knows knows how the story ends, right? So when you're writing about the past, you have the additional context that's off the page. And not only do we know how the story ends, we understand how the characters inside the story don't. Mm-hmm. So when the characters are talking about, you know, the, the book concludes with Rebecca, who's the protagonist, sort of wishfully imagining the near future. And one of the first things she imagines is President Gore. And we all know that Al Gore never became the president, even though there was a moment in time when it seemed inevitable and in fact stated that he would be. And so that helps create a, you know, or I'm just sort of manipulating or relying on our own context, the reader's context for what's actually happened in reality, even though I'm telling a story that is a fiction. Did you, did you find it hard though, given your knowledge of, 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 of where we are now, knowing now <laughs> what we know now and how we talk about things, was it hard to go back and sort of remove some of that from the discussion and dialogue? You know, by contrast, I found it surprisingly resonant that, yeah. you know, the, the past is never as far away as we think it is. Right. You know, I remember, a, just, I mean, I actually can't even think now when Nancy Reagan died, but she died not that long ago. And I remember being so shocked that she was even still alive. I had completely forgotten yeah. somehow of her existence. <laughs> so, you know, we're never actually as far away from what's come before us as we think. And a lot of the the, the political climate that we live in right now, many of the same players who I talk about in this book from the 1980s are still in power. I mean, the Mm -hmm. president of the United States is himself a real creature of the 1980s. You know, he was sort of a, you know, a manufactured media event of the 80s. (laughs) And BCCI, which is a bank that I talk about in in some detail in the book, the fallout from that political and financial scandal is still... Well, I could maybe the fallout is forgotten, but a lot of those players are still Washington, D.C. players. So, you know, we're not really that far removed. I mean, Queen Elizabeth is still alive. Like, we're not really that far removed from this cultural milieu, even though we have made a lot of progress. 
All right, so let's get into the relationships. The book starts off as a story about the relationship between Rebecca, who's the protagonist, who's a white poet and first-time mom, and Priscilla, a black woman who works as her nanny. And to be fair, that is totally generalizing (laughs) as how they came to know each other because it's not like it's through a babysitting website. Can you talk about uh, their relationship? Yes, that is not how... They do come to know each other in sort of a complex set of circumstances. And I can't even really remember now how I got to those circumstances. But um, the relationship between an, a child care provider and a parent, especially a parent who works at home, as Rebecca does, is a very, very intimate one. And anyone who's ever hired a nanny or worked for the daycare knows exactly what I'm talking about. That feeling of leaving your four-month-old at a daycare with someone who you don't actually know, who's whose last name you may not know. Right. And you just walk out the door and say, okay, well, I've just given you the only thing in my life that means anything to me. And I'm going to trust that when I come back eight hours from now, the baby's going to be fine and alive and not, you know, yeah, whatever. It's an, it's an extraordinary leap of faith. So that particular circumstance is very interesting to me, just the, the, the trust and the, and the complexity of power. Um, and this is all further complicated, of course, when you talk about class, which is almost always operative in these situations. And when you talk about race, which is very often operative in these situations where you have a white employer and a, a person of color who is the child care provider. So um, Rebecca talks in the book about how intimate this is that you have this first person witness to everything in your life, to your marriage, to how much money you have in your wallet, to, you know, does your husband sleep in the den? Uh, you know, did you guys have a fight? Like, are you a terrible cook? Do you scream at the kids? Do you hate giving them a bath? Do you never shampoo their hair? Your your child care provider sees all of that stuff. And it's a very intense, but, but they are your employee. And you know, you trust them with your secret, you trust your secrets. And, you know, I'm talking about benign family secrets that we all have. And you trust them with that access to your own personal life. And you pay them in exchange, but you rely on them in a way that is it transcends the way that my employer relies on me, you know. Then this relationship changes. And they yes. they, they go yes. from this employee to family. Because, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so tell us about that change. Cause that so, was... I mean, I'm happy to... I feel like you can't talk about my book without I know. really talking... I, I don't really believe in spoilers, so I'm just right. going to tell you what happens in the book, which is that Priscilla, who is the nanny, dies in childbirth. She sort of becomes unexpectedly pregnant and then dies um, shortly after delivering the baby. And Rebecca, her employer, you know, somewhat impulsively... Yeah says that we'll bring this baby home with us. So Rebecca has, at that time, her son is three, and so she has this newborn who is black. And Priscilla, her nanny, has a surviving adult daughter who is pregnant herself, and she's about to give birth, which is why Rebecca sees this as an opportunity to help and to to take on this responsibility of caring for this baby. Priscilla is not married. There's no, there's actually no sense of who the father of this baby is. So that particular decision eventually becomes the decision to adopt this baby. And this family is kind of, these two different family units are sort of forced together. And, you know, one family is black, one family is white, one family has much younger parents, one family has like slightly older, more established parents. And the particular conduit between these two families is Priscilla, but she's dead. So she's not even really there to kind of hold them together. And it's just this baby who... Um, that ties these two family units together. And to be honest, as a reader, it's got so many more layers. I mean, again, as a reader, I, I you know, I mean, you can't control who your readers are, how they read it or what they read or, or how they interpret it. But like, again, there's so much going on here in terms of questions that can be raised as a reader of, you know, about race and class and privilege. Thank you. And yeah, that's my hope. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I mean, because this is really a generalization almost of what we're talking about. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> this is, besides just being an incredibly unique way to come into adopting a baby, this is not normally, <laughs> this is right, a fictional right. no, absolutely, scenario. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very it's, heightened. And- in, in some ways, I wonder, I mean, I worry about doing a disservice to the language around adoption because this is not how adoption right. works. In order for the novel to work, of yeah. course, I had to make the mother, Priscilla, simply vanish. She just has to be gone, erased entirely to, to force this particular set of circumstances. And so that was a very, you know, 
I'm aware of the kind of I, I approach that with trepidation. And you're you're right in that it is a it's a very heightened level of drama playing out on the page. But hopefully, what it really gets you to is an in, a, a deeper conversation about power, about race, about privilege, about choice, about maternal health. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of different things that it's pressing on. Yeah. And, um, you know, in a weird way, it's not really a book about adoption at all. It's, it's, there's an adoption at the center of the book, but what the book is interested in is all of these other stories. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I want to, I'm going to actually kind of step away just a little bit in that. Okay. So you, you've publicly written about your sons who are adopted. Yes. They're, they're African-American. Your husband is white. And as you have referred to yourself, self-described, you're brown. Um, That's right. I know that this book is not autobiographical, (laughs) but I would like to know how you related to the experiences of Rebecca. And yeah, did you find yourself relating to her or not relating to her or any of the challenges that you had her go through? I guess what I would say in my as my answer to that is that the book relies a lot on convention. There's a lot of yeah. convention in this book. One of the conventions is the quiet novel of divorce because the, there's an unhappy marriage at the heart of this book. One of the conventions is the you know the story of maternal struggle, which is the kind of book we are reading a lot about right now, where people are kind of really picking apart the experience of of birth and, and, um, you know, retaining a sense of selfhood after you have become a mother, uh, specifically a mother. One of the conventions is the idea in this book that plays out in this book that the black characters, the people of character are very tangential to the central experience of the book, Mm -hmm. which is not how reality functions, but it's how the book functions. So the book is kind of a weird trap of (laughs) Rebecca's point of view. And, I see that as my toying with the convention of literary fiction, which is that it's sort of a space of gender, you know, sort of, it's very white, it's very um, interior. And so rather than trying to express, I guess, my own feelings about paternity, which is so different from maternity because society is so profoundly messed up in that regard, (laughs) I I would argue that it it was more about my desire to tinker with what we understand as the conventions of the literary form and um, that, you know, that there's this, that there are these characters in this book who are black, who are barely ever really seen. And when people have, have brought that up to me, I talk about how that's informed by basically all the cultural storytelling yes. of my youth. I mean, we talked about the 1980s, like this comes from a way of telling stories from sitcoms where, Black women in particular, women in particular, were always cast as like the principal or the nurse, yeah. right? Like somebody with a, with a no-nonsense kind of good-hearted authority to set all the white people straight. And that is sort of how Black women have been cast in narrative, in popular narrative for a long time. And I, de- I mean, hopefully what happens when you read this book, when you get to the end, you understand how flawed the the central perspective of the book is and that you realize, you know, as we say, there are two sides to every story. When the book ends, I hope that it sort of pivots and you realize that there's this whole other side to the story that you kind of saw, but never really saw. And you still don't really know. Well, but that's so true of all things related to parenting and how we interact when it comes to, to race and gender in our country. You know, this, we have a narrative that's been given to us and it's really hard to, when you see people out in the world, not just apply that narrative yes. without yes, delving deeper into sort of what's actually happening and what we're taking for granted or what we're assuming. Yeah, uh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Problem solved. Problem solved, wow. guys. <laughs> Amazing. All it, took was, all it took was one novel. All it took was one Problem novel. Solved. That's right. <laughs> what a relief. I I love it. If only it could just be the one thing, right? That would just make life so much easier. Yes, Um, yes, indeed. 
All right. Well, I just want to say thank you again. Again, uh, Rahman Alam's newest book is That Kind of Mother, and you can find it wherever books are sold. And we're going to link everybody up to his website, RahmanAlam.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This is such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Oh, good oh, man, stuff. Every time. Uh, well, I hope that you're enjoying this podcast you're listening to as much as we are pretending to. But anyway, why not listen to another podcast too? It's called The Flop House. And on our podcast, uh, we have recently watched a movie, often a bad movie, and we review it on our podcast, but mainly talk about other stuff and, I don't know, hang out. It's all about hanging out, feeling like you're being with your best friends. Who are your best friends? Us three. Dan McCoy, <laughs> Emmy Award-winning writer for The Daily Show, Stuart Wellington, owner of the best bar in Brooklyn, Hinterlands, and Elliot Kalin, former Emmy-winning head writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, former head writer of Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, uh, so many things, author of the upcoming children's book. All right, that's dog. enough. The Elliot's credits just go on and on. Yeah, but if you like the idea of listening to three funny guys talk about bad movies, then why not come over and listen to The Flop House? It's uh, available at MaximumFun.org or wherever fine podcasts are found. So get out of here. Are you tired of trying to keep up with the news cycle? Is bad stuff happening too fast for you to process? Don't you wish there was an easy way to find out about only the most important info you need? Hi, we're Lisa. And Emily. Why don't you try our podcast, Baby Geniuses? On each episode of our podcast, we discuss a weird Wikipedia page, such as flatulence humor, Clamato, Catalan witches, Slippy the Microsoft Office helper, death during consensual sex, and the talking mongoose. We ask each other stupid questions. Uh, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you got a packet with like 300 seeds in it, what kind of plant would you choose the seeds to be? <laughs> 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 that felt like you were assigned to ask me a question and there were certain words you weren't allowed to use. We talk about Martha Stewart, her pony, and other celebrity horse news. Ben Chunch. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses. Guys, it's such a good book. That was fun. And that was fun. Yeah. I also just enjoyed talking to him. Yeah. We can have him back mm -hmm. to talk about things completely unrelated to his book. Definitely. Is my instinct. Uh, so, again, everybody check that out uh, when you actually have time to read a book or listen on audiobook. Usually, you, I just try to get it yeah. and just pretend like I'm, I'm a person read. that reads books. <laughs> but then it might actually happen if it's sitting there. And it's a it worthwhile to read. Yeah. That is right. Yeah. Uh, everybody's working towards reading books again. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Speaking of uh, good jobs, let's take a moment to listen to a rant. Hi, this is a fail, I think. I'm stuck um, on the side of the road. It's a car that works perfectly fine, but with a toddler that doesn't nap in his crib anymore because he's so physical, he just... He just climbs right out, and he's 20 months old, so he's not even two. We're not even kind of close to two. And we just went to this baby toddler class. That was basically my toddler being so physical, and he's a sweetheart, but he's just, he has so much energy. He has 10 times more energy than any of the other little kids. And... He just, he just doesn't watch out for people, and I don't know, I don't know how to curb it. At, at 20 months, it's like he, I can't reason with him, I can't tell him to watch out for babies, because he doesn't get it. And it's so frustrating, and I love him so much, and it feels like I've just got this, I don't know, wonderful, wild child that I, I don't know. I, I kind of have to keep him inside and away from other kids. And 
subjecting to that investigation right now. Okay, I have to go. You're doing a great job. First of all, you are doing a great job. Yeah, you are. And this is not a fail, which nope. is why we have placed it here and mom having a breakdown. Is. Yes. <laughs> because this, you're not no. failing. No, nope, you're not failing. God, you're you, ranting. You're ranting. <laughs> you're ranting. Teresa, we're listening, and she and I are both just like mouthing to each other. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. We're both just like shaking our heads. I like, know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's so. We're so like there with you. 20 yeah. months, not even two, yeah. crawling out with like yeah. basically having this physical advancement. Yeah. As well as just like a like an energy mm-hmm. and a way they interact in the world at that age mm-hmm. is really hard because so you hard. you said it. You can't rationalize with Mm-mm. them at this point in time. Yeah. This yeah. is just all about, like, yeah. sort of maintaining yeah. and, like, having to be vigilant all the time. Yep. And it, it is, I think about, like, all the times I'd be at, like, one of those, like, my gym, like, mm-hmm. play things. And, like, everybody's kids play it. And Ellis just, like, runs across the room and body slams, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, bo- the body slam hug. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. Yeah. You know, it's so physical. There's, you know, and I have... Uh, we have friends whose kids are, I mean, like, what else does is one degree. Their kids are the ones who, like, when you put them out in, like, one of those inside fun zones, mm-hmm. they're everywhere. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. like, rock climbing where there's no rock climbing. They're so physical. Mm-hmm. It's just who they are. Like climbing on top of the bouncy yeah, castle. Yeah, on top of the right. bounce castle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're just, like, yeah. that's how some kids yeah. are. Some kids are like that. And they're yeah. really, you know what yeah. I used to think when I would see them? They're really good at that. I know. I almost like my kid's not good at that. I know. I want my kid to be kind of like that. You know I what know. I mean? There's, it is so. It's a special gift of kinds, but at 20 months, that is enough to be, yeah. to make things just so challenging. And I got to say, I know that you're like, uh, but I see how hard you're trying. Yeah. In that the nap can't work anymore because. Yeah. The child climbs out of the crib. Yeah. And so you're taking your time yeah. away from what you could be doing yep. during that nap time mm-hmm. and driving until he falls asleep. Mm-hmm. I see you. Yes. And I see how hard you are trying. Yeah, it's really hard. You are doing a remarkable job. And the thing that is a big, ah, watch out, is that I can't take my kid anywhere. You know, I feel like that's a real fear that we all have had at some point in time, given something that's happening with our kid. Yet, you know, you're going to find the thing. You're going to find the thing. It is what you're saying. All of what you're saying is true. But like you are going to find the things that you can take your kid to. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. You are doing a remarkable, a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. You are such a good parent. Yes, you are. You really are. Teresa. What did we learn today? We learned that we are trying pretty damn hard. Yeah. Yeah. We're and trying it, hard enough. We're trying hard enough, and it's nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> it's nobody's business how hard we're trying. Actually, what we've learned, and we talked about this before, is that we should just all go into the day assuming when you see parents out in yeah. the wild that they are They're actually trying. trying. Yeah. <laughs> If you thought about it, there's a real good chance they've thought about it, right? So, like, let's remember to listen first for actually a very long time. Yeah. Uh, Let's primarily be there to listen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then when we feel they're bursting into flames, jump in and save them and get all the trophies for being great. (laughs) Right. No, no. You know what I mean. I I, I really think. And we also need to stop beating ourselves up for uh, feeling like we've got to prove how hard we're trying. Let's all assume we're all trying really hard. Also, let's just stop trying to feel we've got to prove to everybody how hard we're trying you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give ourselves a break. Yeah. If we all just assume we're all trying our best mm-hmm. and everybody's life is very hard. Yeah. And th- that it's hard. That, like, you know, just because, that, like, when so it's, it's the old, I love my kid, but mm-hmm. don't feel like you have to pre-apologize for wanting to complain about it. Yeah. The opposite is, the also, opposite true. is also true. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to say how sweet your kid is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how horrible how your hard kid is. it is with your kid. 
Because to, we know how hard it is. Because you yeah. want to talk about how great it is sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just True. all talk about parenting however the fuck we want yeah. and listen to each other and tell each other we're doing a good job. Yes. Or possibly say, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Universe, on yeah. behalf of all parents. Yes. Everybody, you are doing a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. This is hard. It is. And we all see you. Teresa? Yes. You're doing a very good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Kara Hart, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all of these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.